0: Welcome back to the One Broke Actress podcast. I am your host, Sam Valentine, bringing you episode 5 of season 6. I hope you guys are enjoying the episodes in quarantine. I know it's weird because you're not in your car, so you're probably listening to them cleaning your house or following on Instagram or P.S. Follow at One Broke Actress on Instagram because there's more cool stuff there all the time. (laughs) There's a couple new articles on OneBrokeActress.com if you guys have not checked that out recently. Um, And I think that's about all of the announcements I have for the time being. We're going to get into today's episode, but I just want to let you guys know that this episode was recorded in the first or second week of April, so keep that in mind when you're listening. That is how much information we had at the time about what was going on. Also, um, this was one of the first Zoom episodes I recorded, so for some reason it did not pick up my actual mic, it picked up the computer mic. So the audio is a little off, but I think the information is so good, you won't even notice. Today's guest is Erica Bream. Erica was nice enough to hop on a Zoom call, of course, social distancing, and chat with me about all things casting now and in the future. We really talked a lot about what the future of casting is going to look like for a while, how to best maximize your auditions via self-tape and via Zoom calls, um, and how that's going to kind of look in the upcoming months, weeks, days, days question mark. (laughs) She gives some great tips on recording auditions, um, how to set up your space. Uh, It was a really lovely learning experience for myself because I think we're all really learning right now how to properly use things like Zoom and how to make it useful for auditions and for callbacks and producer sessions and all those things. She has a ton of experience with that because she is now casting out of North Carolina. She moved to the Southeast after she left LA, but she still does casting in LA and New York and all over so she does a lot of these types of submissions and self tapes so we get a lot into that we also of course talk about your casting profiles online a lot about you know uh the slate shot question that just keeps coming up over and over and she has a lovely opinion on that She gives us some solid information about her reel. Of course, she also works for the casting director's cut, so she gives us some information about what she would love to see in a reel and a self-tape and what you need to actually be paying for on your platforms online. We talk a little bit about what really lights up an actor for her in the room. Um, And she's just lovely, you guys. I think you're gonna really enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, please enjoy casting director Erica Bream. We'll just talk, I don't know if um, Jessica Sherman mentioned to you, like, because she was on the podcast, obviously that was in person, a little different. Uh, Right, right. But we, yeah, I just kind of want to chat. I thought, you know, during this time I might as well um, talk with people about, I'd love to talk about the real world uh, outside of this time and also talk about the future of casting, what you see from now and kind of your experiences. But I just want to check with you because I was reading, so you moved... Uh, locations recently, right?
1: Yeah. About two 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 and a half years ago, we moved to the Southeast. We live in North Carolina now.
0: Nice. Okay. Yeah.
1: So a whole different market.
0: Fascinating. Yeah. How's casting out in North Carolina? So, but you mainly, you cast a lot of things for New York and LA, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I still do. So, you know, I was in LA for 17 years. Um, so my, you know, I have a lot of contacts and relationships and everything like that in those markets and know a lot of I mean I don't know all of the actors, but I know a lot of actors in those markets. And so um I still do a lot of things that originate out of LA and shoot elsewhere. Okay. Um most of them, you know, most things don't shoot in LA anymore, although after this we'll see. But um Yeah. You know, the things that shoot in, you know, they originate out of LA but they shoot in Bulgaria or they originate out of LA and they shoot in Vancouver or whatever so I still do work a lot on some of those things um, you know if they involve making offers or doing like a, a North American search or something like that so it's it's it is regional casting so I do do wow. southeast casting down here um, but still a lot of casting just kind of all over the country um, mostly through video mostly self tapes. so
0: so, is, so it's been mostly self-taped. Or have you done casting like this kind of a thing before? Because this is whole yeah.
1: new. Yeah, stuff. like like a like an online callback kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we started doing them back when the technology wasn't that good. You know, we 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 started doing them back in like two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve, and we only had Skype, and it was a mess. You know, I'm so um, messy. <laughs> oh my gosh! You know the for me the 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 video callbacks are hard because if somebody's internet is at all glitchy, you might lose something and that's devastating, right? But there are ways around it. And um, back then when it was really glitchy, we would always recommend that whoever we were doing the callback with, wherever they were, that they also have a camera on them. So they're, they're not just using the computer or we're not just recording, like doing a screen recording or something like that. They also have like a regular digital camera file, you know, as well. Just even if the eye line is a little off, whatever. Um, But just to have the backup that isn't glitchy. So, and sometimes we still recommend that. I mean, again, internet is internet. You know, (laughs) not everybody has super high speed. Um, If multiple people in the same house are on it, it can get glitchy. I mean, it's just, you just don't always know what you're going to get. So um, what we, we always try to allow for that or compensate for it however we can. Um, And even some of the best video services You know, if somebody's internet is spotty that day, if there's road work happening nearby, whatever, you just can't, you know, there are, there are things you can't control about people's internet. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's it's weird. It also feels like, as much as I feel like we're used to self-tapes, it feels weirdly vulnerable to be like, this is my desk, like this is my, and there's something about finding a place to put a laptop that just feels so, I don't know, how, how do you think you've like made actors a little more comfortable with that? aspect of of doing a a call from home or do you think it's gotten easier because self-tapes are so prevalent now
1: I you know it's easier but it is still very different it's very different um I think really the biggest thing that we try to do with actors when we're doing these things is tell them where to look because that's always honestly the the first thing that gets in your brain which is like do I look at the director do I look do I look at the wall and then all of a sudden you're acting against the wall? Like, who are you reading with? You know? So, um, I think if we can break down the logistics for them as much as possible, tell them who they're going to be meeting with on that video call. Um, what scenes we're going to be doing, what we plan to do. Are there any notes ahead of time? If we can just sort of, um, help them feel comfortable with the situation. It's still gonna feel a little weird. Um, again, you're talking to your computer, which is a foot away from your face, and it's, just, you know, what, how are you harnessing your energy? Where's it supposed to go? You know, all of these things. Um, but it's, it is completely feasible and we have booked people from it. It does work. Um, we've done the thing also, um, this was back when I was in LA where our uh, showrunner couldn't be in the room. She had to be in the writer's room, but she could step out for a second, a few minutes to watch a callback so she was on video and the rest of us were in person. Okay. So there's that there, you know, there's so many different versions of that too. Um, I would think that coming out of all of this, there's going to be a big reliance on self-taping and a big reliance on video callbacks. I would just think that that's going to be the safest, healthiest way to proceed for the near future. Yeah. Um, and until people are feeling comfortable and healthy and, you know everything else
0: yeah it's the great unknown um
1: <laughs> so yeah, for, it's, quite.
0: my internet says it's a speaking of internet it says it's a little unstable but i think we'll be okay uh my, my fiance's probably yeah you're you're a you're little thing.
1: glitchy on my end but i don't you know again that could be mine too so I, my fiance's playing settlers of Catan probably in the living room on his phone so <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> that'll do it
1: yeah.
0: to do. <laughs> um so so these are i want to ask a couple like detailed questions about that because i'm personally fascinated by it because i to make it more realistic uh i've been doing my acting class on zoom and we've kind of found ways Mm -hmm. you can turn off non-video participants so it's just the people you're watching and things like that that you can learn just from zoom but in terms of the actual audition when someone's doing a, a tape something like that in person with you do you think it's best to, you know, stand if the audition is standing? Do you think it's best to like find your framing ahead of time? Like what kind of like detailed things like that do you think make a better input like over the video audition?
1: Definitely, definitely plan to uh, whatever you're going to do, whether it's sitting or standing. And it should be whatever you prefer it should not just be automatically sitting because you're on your computer. <laughs> so whatever you're doing, you're going to adjust the the camera height of your phone, laptop, tablet, so that it's eye line with you, whether you're sitting or standing. Um, and what you want to make sure you do, because what happens sometimes is that people will do sort of what we're doing here. We have our computers on our desk. They'll just stand up and back away from it to give themselves some space and to you know, make sure that they're in frame and everything else. And and then their face is teeny tiny in the screen, and we can 't really hear them, and it's kind of pointless, mm-hmm. so again, whatever it is, you just have to make that those adjustments are done ahead of time, so again you're walking into it feeling comfortable and confident um, we can't tell you know if your frame is is tight the way it's supposed to be sort of mid bust or clavicle or so to just above your head, we can't really tell if you're sitting or standing you know based on what 's behind you unless we see the back of a chair mm-hmm. so um so it it you know doesn't affect us necessarily. Um, again, if it's something where we're like, tell her to make sure she's standing. We'll give that information to your reps ahead of time so they can pass it on. Um, but you definitely want to just get your headspace there. You know from the get go, know it's going to be a little weird. Just know that yeah. it's not going to be perfect. I think I think if you can if you can remove the expectation that. This is life or death and this has to be perfect because it's not. Again, internet is internet. These cameras can only do so much. The sound can only do so much when there's six of us trying to be on the Zoom at the same time, it's you know, taking up bandwidth. I mean, all of the things, right? Yeah. Um, but that said, you just need to be present. You need to listen and you need to connect, however, you know, again, wherever we've told you that we want the eye line to be, whether it's looking into your camera, um, looking, just looking at the person on your screen so that you're talking to a human, looking somewhere else, whatever, um, that you are still able to connect, that it's not just sort of falling flat as if you are acting against a wall.
0: Right. (laughs) It's interesting, I think I'm trying to talk to some other actors and encourage them to continue to take their acting classes and things during this time. It seems like it's just good practice to be acting in this way because I really feel like, I mean, if you listen to The Daily Podcast, do you listen to that one, the New York Times one? No, no. They had an episode today about the, the upcoming years and how it's gonna affect us. And I was like, oof, we gotta get real comfortable on these cameras. <laughs> oh, oh, God maybe yeah, don't
1: listen to it. I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm in the right headspace for that, but I understand. <laughs> yeah,
0: and so I think it's really interesting to learning to listen on here has been a big challenge for me. Is there anything that you've seen since now? I love that you are casting from another market because now you've had so much experience with this. Is there things you've seen that really light up an actor in an audition in this format, or even in a self tape?
1: It's really just confidence. You know, it's the same thing with an in-person audition. That confidence, and any human being will will tell you this, because confidence is what draws us to each other, right? Yeah. It's just completely appealing. So if you are standing there questioning everything, questioning, you know, just being concerned about your internet, or, you know, they glitched out for a second, and you missed, you missed a line of, of a note from the director, or um, like you missed a line of the reader, whatever it is, Um, You just have to take it in stride and know that it's okay. Again, we're not, we're not, we're not trying to get perfection with this. We're trying to get a sense of you. We're trying to see how you take a redirect. The director's trying to get to know you. Um, That's what all of this is for. Again, we're, we are supplanting the live callback experience with screens, you know, and, and that's why the the beauty of it, and sort of the same with self-taping is that, the way we see you in a self tape or, you know, on a screen is the way the audience is gonna see you. You know, it's the same viewpoint. And energetically, this is gonna sound a little hippy dippy, but energetically, if your energy can break through this sort of two dimensional screen and make me feel something, then I know it's working. Okay, (laughs) so it's, you know, we can be fooled into it in person because it's intoxicating me around people, you know. Um, I know I miss I, it every day. <laughs> I, I, truly. I mean really. Um, but that's the thing, like in person it can we can feel it and we can vibe off it, but then on camera it's like, okay, that was okay on camera, not as not as yummy as it was in person. Whereas with self taping, this is what we're gonna see. You know, obviously minus the hair and makeup and background and you know, props and everything else, but it's still giving you a good sense of how, how does this person translate mm-hmm. in this medium. So it is. It's actually hugely beneficial, um, and then the you know the self-taping versus the live callback is really the the big leap from um, you doing this own with your own devices, your own your own setup, your own reader as to, many times as you want, <laughs> as many times as you want, what at whatever time of day to you know having it be a little bit more formal. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's the same as anything else. You know, at the end of the day, we we are looking to fall in love with you. Um, and as long as you can trust in your character work, trust in your choices, um, trust the director's notes that they're not misleading you, same with casting, you know, the casting director's notes, um, that they're, they're guiding you to a place that's really going to work for you and for this character, they'll be fine. Mm.
0: Glitches love- and all. <laughs> I love that. Is there anything you find distracting in self-tapes consistently uh, that actors could know about?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, the, there's a lot of the basics that I think people already know about, which is that you don't want anything behind you that we're staring at. Like, so don't tape in front of your bookshelf or. I have a small you know, your- question
0: about that, actually. Yeah. For a full body shot. Do you mind that I, I'm like, here's all the stuff I've been hiding from
1: you. It's totally fine. People ask me about slates all the time because I think there's a lot of panic around them. The slate is for information. It is not a test of your cinematography skills. It's not a test of how clean your apartment is. (laughs) Anything like that. It's for the information. So yes, The full body shot is the
0: thing that always gets me. I'm like,
1: there's no good angle for this (laughs) Everybody, you are not alone. This is a common problem. Okay, great. Good to know. Good to know. Okay, so obviously clean background,
0: especially for the self if yes. it can be this framing.
1: Yes, exactly. So clean background, um, limit the props. You can use props. You have a little more flexibility with props than you would in a live audition. If someone walked in with, with like a wine glass or whatever in into my audition room, I'd be like, okay, just put it down. You know, we're trying to simplify it but when you're self-taping, you've got a little bit more flexibility for it. It's there for you and you can kind of use it again within reason. You don't want it to be all about the props and, and the, you know, set deck. <laughs> um, but the, the thing that actually um, I think not a lot of actors know about yet, there's, there's a lot of um, conversation between um, freedom of movement in your self-tape and stillness. Right. And in general, I want you to feel free to move, you gotta be in your body, right? Like if you're if you're still can be stiff, that it's a, it is a fine line between those two things. So I want you to be in your body, which means that you have freedom of movement if you want it. Um, it could also mean that you are in your body, but staying purposely still, you know, all of that is fine. But with the movement, because your frame is so tight, again, you're aiming for sort of mid bust to just above your head a little movement goes a long way. So if you're kind of moving, fidgeting a lot, it looks like you're dancing on screen and it starts to be very, very distracting. I'm doing it for you right now. Uh Um, This is what happens. So a character choice of like fidgeting or whatever can be really, really distracting just because your frame is so tight. Similarly with stillness, again, if you decide that you're gonna be still, you're gonna be in your spot, you're gonna hit your mark and stay there, you have to make sure that you can feel your toes, you can feel your knees, you can feel everything that you're still in your body. Otherwise your stillness will read a stiffness. Ooh, okay, that's, there's,
0: that's great.
1: Yeah. There's a, there's a fine line with those things. You have to, you have to be able to feel free to move within reason and be still within the bounds of, you know, reality.
0: <laughs> I love that because that's something for just very very um, selfishly because it's something the older I get I feel like I get more roles that have a, a stillness aspect to them like the characters are more grounded they're more confident they don't need to like I feel like I was when I was 18 it was like laughing giggly yeah but then that then you watch it back on camera and it's you know it's for me it was like in the shoulders and in the sure. head and, so so as I get older I've been trying to work on that and it's uh, very hard to do if I don't practice it in my day to day life, in a weird way. Like I have to find a way to interact with people where I'm not throwing my head around as much, like it's crazy things like that. So that's very interesting you bring
1: yes, we all we all have a thing. I'm an eyebrow person, and oh, really? I always have to coach actors not to use their eyebrows, whereas I'm doing it all the time. <laughs> so you know, we all have that thing where because of doing all of these video calls and self tapes, we are hyper aware of them now. Right.
0: I mean, maybe it's a really good thing, right?
1: Uh, It can't be bad, but still.
0: Right. Nothing, nothing quite like when I started my podcast, I realized how often I say certain words and how incredibly frustrating
1: it is to hear back. Right. Right. I know it's just, it's easy to nitpick when you are watching yourself and listening to yourself over and over and over again yes it is <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: um how have you felt during this uh time in general with uh there's so many live things going on and um you're you were you're part of the casting director's cut yeah yes okay yeah. great awesome uh and that i got to talk to um Romani, which mm-hmm. I also had to email her and ask her how to properly say her name because I guess yes, I this. <laughs> uh so there's been a lot of like action on social media and things like that. Uh, and I know some actors feel a little overwhelmed trying to figure out what to participate in, what to do. What are your thoughts on that? Because there's so much going on right now, which is weird because it feels like there was nothing going on <laughs> at the same
1: time. Right, right. Well, and I think, you know, there you should Feel free to take advantage of these things. I mean, they are out there. They're free. They're accessible. You know, not everything is free, but they're out there. You know, there there are options. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I think is so important right now, and I'm sure that we've all been in this headspace. Um, you have to do what's right for you emotionally. Like, what do you have the emotional bandwidth for? So, yeah, jump on the challenges and the zooms and the whatever. Do them. But if you're like, I really don't feel like putting, like showering today and being on a video call, or I really don't feel like creating my own content today or whatever. Don't do it. Like give yourself the space to acknowledge the fact that this is weird and fucked up and crazy and scary and sad and everything else. And it is okay to not be productive every minute of every single day. Um, That said, I think it's, there are some great opportunities out there, some really great ways to um, interact with people, get in front of casting directors, so that when we do come out of this, you have a little bit of an edge, you know? I mean, maybe even more so than you did before going into this. So it, it can be really, really great. Um, and I love how, I think the entertainment industry especially has banded together to help each other and be there for each other in such a beautiful way. And, um, it's there for you, you know, whatever you need, there seems to be an option. So you can, you can do. <laughs> yeah.
0: It really does feel like special time because I feel like a lot of this industry is divided. We feel alone a lot, especially yeah. as actors, you know, you rehearse alone, you film, you, it feels, and all of a sudden it's like, here's a lot of opportunities. Um, how, What would you love to see actors doing in this time? Obviously it's what, you know, everything feels like a day-to-day basis. Like what you, I I keep trying to make a schedule and then I just kind of need to just let myself, today is the day that I do this and it doesn't need to be every day. What would you love to see actors doing in this time period? Like practicing a certain thing or working on their resume or is there anything you'd like to see come out of this?
1: I think there's no one thing, you know, everybody's at different places in their careers. I think whatever you need to do to feel like your creativity and your passion hasn't been stomped out by this, you Mm -hmm. know? So if for, if for you that is writing, cool, plan to write once a day, every other day, whatever, you know, whatever your to-do list allows you to do. (laughs) Um, You, if you, if your thing is that like you were meaning to update all your materials after pilot season or whatever, well, now's a great time. You know, if you've got, if you want to reformat your resume or or recut your reel or whatever, do it now. Why not? Um, If you just really feel like you just need to be surrounded by performance and everything else, then watch your Netflix and read some, some plays um you know be in that space if you want to try to be um practice a, a new skill practice an accent practice self taping practice um your diction whatever do that but i think whatever whatever it is for you you don't have to do everything i think it, that is important to remember I heard it um to be, it was called productivity porn and that's what they say oh like, my god
0: i was like whoa that is so true
1: <laughs> It's true. You know, I know some people are learning a new language and some people are learning an instrument and like, that's awesome. But to do all of that seems like a lot, (laughs) you know, not to mention walk a day. (laughs) Yeah, real. I mean, really like get outside today, shower today, brush your teeth today. Those are important things. You know, the rest of it is kind of at your discretion.
0: <laughs> it's so true, and it's nice to know too. Because I know a lot of actors are feeling a, a sort of overwhelm, like they're supposed to be doing everything, we're supposed to be working on everything. Uh, I did have a specific question that came from the listeners that they were wondering. A lot of them are writing content right now that has to do that can be filmed from this, like someone on a work call, this kind of Zoom thing, you know, kind of like SNL is okay. doing. Uh-huh. If you saw that on a reel maybe in June, July,
1: how would you feel about that? Um, emotionally, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if I want that once we come out of this. Um, but that said, if it's shot really well, the production value is great, and the writing's fun, and your performance is great, and it adds something, then sure. But I think if I see, if I see that on the first 100 reels I look at, I'm going to be bummed. <laughs> Not because of the work, but because it's like, you know, I think when we come out of this and start sort of moving forward again, it's gonna be hard to look back at this with fun you know, with fondness. Um I've been having trouble watching all of the wonderful yeah. things that happened when we were quarantined when in reality right now we're just like doing things to get through it. And once we're through it, maybe we don't need them as much. It's a really a good point. I've been having trouble
0: watching a lot of the like the live concerts and things like that because I just yeah. kind of get sad. I've been craving like production value, and it's yes. funny what you're searching for. Yes. What everyone needs it's to go so through.
1: We're we're exactly the same. We couldn't watch that whole One World concert or whatever it was. Oh. We, it was like bumming us out. <laughs> I know, I know, and
0: I want. I love that people are doing what they're doing, and it's like you said, everyone's just doing yes. what they need to do to get by
1: just totally some some of it's a little (laughs) sad yeah yeah well and i think you really do have to be the in the right emotional headspace for it and if you're not then you then then you're not (laughs) right go do something there
0: on tuesday at 8 a.m but you might not be there on tuesday at 6 p.m amen girl oh so true how i'm feeling um okay so let's talk a little bit out of this circle of quarantine because i definitely wanted to hit on that but i i would love to know so you started casting when you were 18 is that true?
1: Yes, I um I had my first casting experience when I was eighteen. Um, I, I uh, got an internship just right out of high school. My my grandmother actually got me the internship. I did not get it myself. Um, and uh, it was with a talent agency, and they uh they sent me over to a casting company, and I got in to help out there too in LA. That was New York, actually. Oh wow! Um, my yeah, my grandmother was from Jersey. She called a friend, who called her brother-in-law. I had to call and be like, "I'm so and so's granddaughter," and you know, very. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that's how it went. So, um, so they hooked me up with my first sort of casting session, casting gig when I was 18, and I was like, cool. yep, that's it. I'm, I'm sold." <laughs> um, I thought it was the coolest thing that I had ever experienced in my life just so fun to be in the waiting room with the actors and be around that energy and then see who got the job at the end of it i was like oh forget it like there, there's nothing else in this world that is as cool as this um and then i i went to school i went to film school in la and then i would just stay out there and i would i would intern which i'm gonna put in quotations now it, it would be illegal um the stuff that i did because it was um because i was working full time for the places um and you know for free yeah. um which is fine I'm happy I did it I'm not trying to get anybody in trouble but um yeah it was um it was an amazing experience and I got I got experiences from voiceover casting to major film casting to uh network pilot seasons in the casting department you know just everybody let me do anything because I was like what can I do what what would you like me to do what can I do what can I how can I help and they just they just let me do it. <laughs> it was Thank great. You. What yeah. what
0: uh, what was the biggest difference you noticed between when you started in New York and when you were started working in LA?
1: Um, the well, at the time, um, this you know this was a million years ago. But um, <laughs> well, yes, it was a million years ago too. So I... I, that's so <laughs> true. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> um, but at the time, New York was so heavily theater. Um, and very little else. Um, you know, so the talent agency I worked with was, um, only, they were mostly commercial only their youth division was also was across the board. Um, but really only theater, you know, all those kids were really just doing theater and and occasional movies and things like that. Um, but, uh, Yeah. So that was, that was it. And then the, you know, the film and TV for the longest time was law and order and, and Sex and the City and Sopranos. That's it. Like, that's it. So, you know, it was, I was sort of there during that time. So, so TV wasn't really a a thing, you know? Um, I feel like most people, as long as they were in New York, they eventually got a shot at one of those shows. Um, So their focus was really all theater. Um, And if they wanted to do film and TV, they moved up to Los Angeles. So that was, that was really the biggest thing. And of course, LA is the opposite where the focus is on film and TV and, you know, all, all of us theater lovers are, um, you know, it's just lower on the totem pole in LA. Not that it's not important because it's very important and some people take it very seriously and are very passionate about it in Los Angeles as well. It just doesn't pay nearly as well as it does in New York.
0: No. And I think it's so hard because it takes up so much time to do theater and you can't really, it feels like you can't do both a yep. lot of
1: times. Uh, so, so as it he- is tough. You know, your reps will. What are you saying? Yeah, no, I was gonna say your reps will have something to say about being unavailable for doing a play for three months, so. <laughs> when you make
0: fifty dollars a performance. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so I was reading you uh, on your on your website, it talks a little bit about how when you you were you thought about also being an actor originally and you said you had a lot of anxiety?
1: Yes Yes, I um I mean I I grew up in North Dakota which is you know not exactly a bastion of um production so the only acting I did was in my you know school plays and school musicals and things like that. Me too. um, (laughs) Okay thank (laughs) you. So you know, you know. Um, so we would, you know, the there would be one play in the on the one musical in the spring, and that was it for acting. So I felt like by the time it came around, I would go to audition, and this is in front of my drama teacher. This is in front of my choir teacher. These are people who know me, know my family. Like the these are not strangers, right? Mm-hmm. And I would, I I would have such horrible anxiety that I would stop breathing. I would turn bright red. I would get sweaty they would always give me a part because there were only so many people <laughs> and they needed to fill casts. and once i was on stage i was fine um and i was great and i could have fun and i had no anxiety whatsoever but i was you know i was getting to the point i was you know the typical kid where i was like i want to be a doctor i want to be an actor i want to be a dancer i want to you know whatever mm-hmm. and uh right around the time when I was like 16, 17, I was like, I think, I think I really love acting. I would love to do acting. And that's of course also when I became very, very self-conscious as a human being, as a human child. And, um, and the anxiety just sort of peaked at these auditions. And I was like, I don't, I don't want any part of this. (laughs) Like I can't, there's no world where I can do this for a living and not be medicated constantly maybe tranquilized you know it's
0: not the wildest thing I've ever heard that's for sure
1: (laughs) I'm much better much much better being on the other side of the camera but if I have to read a role at like a table read Mm -hmm. same thing I'll start sweating and lose my breath and same thing oh how funny
0: so so you do some audition coaching for actors as well so what how do you coach actors with anxiety like that? Because I know a great deal of actors who have huge audition anxiety.
1: Yes, the uh, you know the biggest thing I can tell people with audition anxiety is to remember that casting is on your side. You know, I think there, there there's nothing I can do necessarily to be like, don't be nervous. <laughs> that just it's just not going to turn itself off that way but um if I can remind you that this is a collaboration and a team effort and if you're walking in the door or you're getting a self-tape request it's because we like you already and we're rooting for you if you if you are great you have solved the, the puzzle for us so you know we want you to succeed and I think if you can Walk in, take a breath, and remember that. Hopefully, it will help. I mean, I know there are all kinds of different things you can do. There's guided meditations, and certain music, and medication, and you know, everything. There's a, there's loads of things you can do. Um, but I hopefully, if you can just recall that the person opposite you is there for you in every way possible, and excited that you're there, or excited to be getting your tape. Hopefully, that'll help. Um, I think audition nerves and uh, audition anxiety do soften with time. Um, it's not gonna help the 22 year old actor who's just getting into this, or the 50 year old actor who's decided to, that they're done waiting to start their acting career. It's not gonna help those people, but it will um, It will get easier and easier once you start to gain that confidence in your skills and in the people who are standing opposite you in that room or requesting your, your, your stuff. Um, and then beyond that, it's kind of up to you what, what works for you in terms of helping to calm that stuff and know that some people can't and don't. You know, we see actors all the time who get flop sweat and who um, break out in hives even, you know, it's, just, it's very, very normal. Um, and same thing, you know, the, the first note I give to anybody who I see going through that is breathe you know because inevitably that's the first thing that stopped is that you're you're panicking and so you you've kind of stopped breathing and and you're and just... it,
0: it sounds like you don't that doesn't uh deflect you from an actor like Never. seeing nerves doesn't deflect you and that's just yeah. nice to know too because sometimes the nerve most nerve wracking part is being scared of showing your nerves like holding your sides and shaking I did that many moons ago yes. oh, and yeah, I hated it
1: Yeah yeah And I, you know, there are so many people who once they become aware of what the, their, how their anxiety manifests, they learn how to um, accommodate it. Right. So like, again, a lot of people break out in hives, it'll, it'll creep up their chest. Mm -hmm. Right. So the women will wear higher necked shirts um the uh men will too but you know often they're they're not wearing the v-necks the same way the women are um all the time anyway uh the people who sweat they they carry a handkerchief with them and they'll just wipe whenever they need to wipe um you know there's the people who know that they shake their handshake they'll make sure they're off book so they don't have to hold their sides Mm -hmm. you know so you just figure out what what your sort of physical manifestation of that is and how you can sort of hide it as best you can. And then hopefully the, that part of the anxiety of like, oh my God, they can see it, will sort of be not nearly as um, big in your brain as everything else.
0: Yeah, I think that's really helpful. Cause that's, especially when you just start, a lot of actors listen to this podcast are newish, or kind of getting their feet sure. wet and it, you know, it's a tough, that one's a hard one. What yeah. else have you kind of learned uh, since you started coaching auditions because auditions are just such such a world
1: (laughs) yes well the thing that I you know the the biggest thing to know and this is you know with the self tapes that I've seen for my own projects as well as coaching people for other projects um is that there you don't have to try to stand out in a tape Mm -hmm. you know I think what happens so often is that people know that they are in a large group of requested tapes or they, that's what they believe anyway. They don't actually know, Um, you know, but um, they, they think they're in a huge group. And so they have to, they have to make sure they stand out. And so they will want to sort of go there or push something or make a big choice or whatever. And that can be fine as long as it's within the bounds of, of the tone of the project, the world of the character, the character description, all of that stuff, right? It's the people who take that stuff and throw it out the window and do something different because they're trying to stand out. Um, and I, you know, I'm constantly telling people like, you are unique. You are not making the exact same choice as this next person. Like you, your unique take on it is what makes it interesting, and that you you are enough. You don't have to do more to get more attention, that's going to give you attention in the wrong direction. <laughs> it's not going to work in your favor. Um, so that's really it, you know, and I think with, with some of the actors who I coach them trusting me to sort of bring them back down and let them just kind of breathe their own life into it in a more simple way. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that that's effective too. Um, the, the note across the board that, you know, coaching actors allows me to see, you know, sides from other people's projects and, and eco cast requests from other people's projects too. Cause I you know, we see all the information and the note across the board in the Southeast from every casting director, no matter what the project always is real and grounded. We're looking for real and grounded all the time. Yes, all the time, all the time, and it's because it's because of this. Because we we rely so heavily on self tapes here in the southeast, and people try so hard to stand out in them that they start acting, Mm -hmm. and we just want you to be really grounded. (laughs) That is the note. Like it, you can can tell
0: very simple when it's acting, acting. Yes. Yes. Hmm. It's so so tough though. I will say when you see a script and you're like, oh, I could do something. It's hard. I think, especially when it's not a, like a television show that we've all seen or something like that. Like I can see, you know, I'll get a Grey's Anatomy script. I know exactly what to do with this because I know the tone of Grey's Anatomy already. So how would you recommend taking that advice into like an indie movie or, you know, a pilot, something you haven't seen to to get the right tone in that audition when you're not overacting?
1: Well, you can use some of the other information on the breakdown. So again, if it's, you can look up the people involved. A lot of people sort of are, um, they sort of follow a path that they they write darker. Uh, They are more sci-fi. They are more um, uh, soapy dramedy kind of thing that, you know, a lot of people just kind of skew that way or the directors do or, you know, whatever. Um, So you could just research, see what the, you know, the filmmaker, what else the filmmakers have done to help you just sort of get a possible clue as to the tone. Mm -hmm. Um, Then after that, you're using all of your script analysis skills. So the, you're reading the synopsis of the project, the character breakdown. If you can see other breakdowns of the other characters, that'll probably help you with some context, Um, looking through and trusting your character breakdown as well, that that information is current and accurate. And then after that, um, just making a choice based on your instinct um, and knowing that you don't have to go wild with that choice for it to be a good choice. You know, um, you can absolutely, like I was saying, you can absolutely think of something that's a little bit out of the box or a little bit different. It just still has to relate to what you do know. You know, there are things that you can change and things that you can't change. And if you are changing everything, then it's, then that character is for something else. It's not for this project. Right. But if you are making a sort of slightly different um, reaction or relationship choice or whatever, whatever your choice is, based on everything else that you know, then that's interesting. Again, that's what ma- that's what makes you unique. You know, it's just your take on that moment or that relationship or whatever versus the next person's, which is going to be different. Yeah. So um, really, you know. Script analysis is huge with self-tapes because you don't get immediate feedback about changing tone or changing relationship or whatever. So you really do have to read between the lines and, you know, look for clues throughout the size, look for clues in the breakdown, all of that stuff to help you paint the picture.
0: Yeah. It's sometimes it feels like that takes up more time than rehearsing the scene. Um, yeah, it might. Yeah. Loves- I love reading scripts. I love, like, I would like to follow a format of script analysis because that way, I just, I love structure because just like right now, without it, I'm like,
1: whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is
0: like something to hang on to. So having a little bit of script analysis. So are there, uh, when you guide actors, do you guide them through a little script analysis? Because I think sometimes this is skipped because actors get so excited to act that they, they don't um, do the homework
1: for <laughs> yes so, yeah so when I'm coaching actors you know the first thing we do and I think that sort of the easiest thing to do ever because it'll help you sort of pick things up without even without even much effort is just read through it you know read through it once and then start breaking down what's the relationship to this person what do we know of of your character what do we know of the person you're talking to um the next thing that I do really that I think helps with script analysis as you are going through it is we read through it very slowly and painfully awkwardly uncomfortably slowly and that really helps you mine out these little moments these little nuggets where you need to slow down where you're going to need that moment to process that character is going to need that moment to process versus um you know moving at a regular pace or listening in a regular you know regular pace as well um and it really will help you it helps me as the coach so again if it's a scene that i'm unfamiliar with it helps me as the coach sort of pick something up that maybe i missed upon first read because we're moving slow so so slowly through it that i'm reading along with them not just watching they're sort of watching me reading along you know we're all sort of processing we're letting our brains just kind of slow down and take it all in um and that helps me a lot. the The script analysis you can do before you start coaching with anybody, or before you tape, of course, is is all of the research that we just talked about, right? Researching the people involved, um, understanding what the the possible tone of the project is, but also reading through that character description a couple of times to make sure that you understand each piece of it. Because um, sometimes there's notes in that character breakdown where you're like wait, they're talking about Sean here, but in the sides, his name is Justin. Is this somebody different? Are these sides fake? You know, all of these things where you have to sort of figure out how to connect some of these dots. Um, what I can tell actors a lot of times is that, um, with, with a lot of projects, especially TV, um, the breakdown description is going to be more current than any description you see in the sides. Um, Ah, because we come up with it together. Okay. So the, the, um, so again, you know, for, for example, if we're casting a pilot, right? Mm-hmm. Pilots go through notes and rewrites and whatever all throughout the process. But we are on so early in, in that process to try to get the cast. We come up, We you know, it's a collaborative experience writing the breakdown descriptions with the writer, the director, if the director's on, the producers, it's then approved by the studio and approved by the network before it's sent out. And so it could be a little bit adjusted from what you see in the script, which is an older draft, which is now just starting to go through notes and rewrites and things like that.
0: That's very good to know.
1: Yeah, and it's not that that way across the board for everything, mm-hmm. but I think you can, you know, because so often the character description in the breakdown does not match what you see on your page, right. um, and you have to figure out which one you're going to rely on. And usually, the casting one is a bit more current um, because again, it takes time to you know, rewrite scripts and get them out and publish them and have them ready to go. Whereas casting's like, we got to get on this right now because we need somebody in wardrobe <laughs> in two days. <laughs> I, I can't mean, wait for uh, that.
0: Yeah, I feel like the more I learn about this, uh, the more
1: casting directors I
0: interview, the more I figure out that that time is so short uh, off-down times uh, before you walk in the room. And it just, it, it gives me a, a different respect for, your side of the table because i'm like man they are pumping it out and they're also trying to be as artistic as possible and like that has got to be exhausting
1: (laughs) yeah you know it can be a lot you know it's it's a beautiful thing when we have many weeks or months to cast something but for the most part we don't and you know the amount of time that we get seems to get shorter and shorter every year so we're just gonna go as fast as we can (laughs) (laughs) i'd love to
0: hit on before i let you go um uh i'm very curious about your side of breakdown services sure. it's like something i'm learning to unpack uh and i've seen it and i've played with it but what do you think actors should know about your side of breakdown services i.e like headshot resume reel. uh obviously because you're involved in cast characters cut you know a lot about the reels and do you care about slate shots because that's been a popular topic
1: We've, uh, Blade shots. Um, so the first thing that draws us to you is your headshot. Your headshot has to stand out in a pile of hundred thumbnails for us to see anything else. For us to click on your resume, click on your reel, anything like that. So the headshot has to be great. It has to be current. It has to be honest and unposed and not overly made up or overly styled or anything like that. It has to just be um, be you. Let us see you and let us be interested in who you are so we, that we look at everything else. Um, the real, in terms of clips versus master reel or whatever, it doesn't matter. That's really a conversation to have with your um, agents and managers because they are the ones who are choosing what to submit you with. So they may prefer clips for that reason. Um, and uh, they're also the ones pitching you, which is sometimes when they may prefer to have a master reel, who knows um, for me, um, I really like having master reels to look at when I'm going through submissions, choosing who I want to see, but I really like having clips to send forward when I'm sending tapes onto my producers. So there's just no rhyme or reason to that. You got to just do what's best for you and your team and your bank account. Okay. Um, because there's just, there's no across the board choice by, by casting directors on it. So, you know, make that decision in a different, in a different sphere. Right. Um, in terms of the slate shot, um, they're, they can be handy if you don't have anything else, any other video or any other current video, okay? okay. So for like the actors, for example, who um, have taken a big break from the entertainment industry to raise a child or go have a different career and are coming back to it now and they're is 20 years old, not super helpful. A slate shot where we can see what they look like now and hear their voice is okay. You don't need to act in your slate shots, it's literally just a slate. Hi, I'm Erica Bream, I'm 5'5, five five. I'm based in wherever. Okay, that's that. Um, please don't act them. So, I think somewhere along the lines became this idea of a headshot coming to life. It's weird. Please don't feel like you have to do that. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, the, the other um, sort of confusion about slate shots is that it puts you at the quote-unquote top of the pile. Yes, that's the biggest rumor. Yes, it is indeed a rumor because there are three ways we can sort our submissions. One is randomly, um, which will put you at the top of the pile. The other is by submission time, which will not because again, by submission time. And then the other is alphabetically, which is what I do, which is what a lot of casting directors do because inevitably you are submitted more than once and having you alphabetically helps us, helps us produce redundancy. Okay. Uh, so only if we sort our submissions randomly, do you go to the top of the pile? I can sort my submissions alphabetically with media. Again, media being anything with a video or, or a slate shot or so a reel or a slate shot. But okay. if I sort it alphabetically with media, it's still alphabetical. Okay. People with slate shots are in there alphabetically and it's always alphabetical by last name. If I sort it randomly with media, then again, you go to the top of the pile. So it just depends on how people sort. Um, so it's not an across the board thing. Um, I think that's important to know. It it can put you at the top of the pile, but it may not. Okay, yeah. so. It's
0: just nice to know too, like what, if you have a limited amount of budget to spend on something like this, $5 per video per photo is, might not be the most important thing for you to do.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I know some actors have, um, have like six or seven headshots and just one slate shot on one photo. So if they, you know, if their reps want to use it, then whatever. Um, so cool, fine. But I also think that if you've got a great reel, you don't need the slate shot. Great.
0: Um,
1: that's my personal opinion.
0: Great. And and I feel like your opinion on reels is probably very similar to Romani's, but I'm very curious uh, what your thoughts on are consistently makes a good reel and if also how you feel about a self-tape in a reel
1: so uh to me a self-tape is a really great tool if it's a great self-tape it has to be a great (laughs) self-tape um but it doesn't belong in like a master reel it can be a separate thing okay so um if it's if it's separated out and it's just like um recent drama clip or whatever recent drama audition whatever you know it has to be something that you felt confident that you got far in the process that you aren't you know um breaking an NDA by posting it (laughs) all of these things you have to be careful with that stuff um for me what I've seen to be sort of most effective is when the agents have um access to or the managers have access to the great self-tape. And they use that when they submit to us, This as a pitch email saying, Hey, check out Sam. Here's a recent self-tape that she just completely killed. And they send that to me in the email. It's not posted. Cool. I think that's another good variation of that. Um, and that's something they
0: out, of, something we would pay to media host on our.
1: Doctor. Yeah. You wouldn't, you know, if you had it up on a Vimeo or even if it was a drop, it doesn't matter where you, where you keep it. Um, I wouldn't put it on YouTube again, the, you know, you want to be careful where you share some of these things. Yeah. Um, especially on your Instagram
0: guys, if you have been sharing self tapes, just make sure they're already
1: out. <laughs> yes. Oh, so that you're not, like I said, you're not breaking an NDA, all of that stuff. It's, it's, that's a real thing. You know, yeah. you have to be really careful with that stuff. So, um, so I think those can actually be really beneficial. Again, they're showing something more current maybe or just another side. So again, if you have a ton of comedy, but not a lot of drama real, you know, footage, uh, footage for your reel, mm-hmm. but you have got a great drama self-tape that's a great addition to your media materials. So I think they can be really, really beneficial. Um, in terms of the, the actual reel, the, the footage that's important is really the stuff that's going to sell you. It's got to sell you twice. It's got to sell you to us to get us to see you and it's got, uh, we have to sell it to our producers and to the studio network. So um, that's where it has yeah. to, it can't, you can't just slap something up there for the sake of having a quote unquote real, right? Like it's gotta be, it's gotta be worthy, um, worthy of showing you off really, really well. So production value needs to be good. Your scene partner needs to be good. The writing should be good. The performance obviously needs to be good. And if you just have one clip like that, one 20 to 30 second clip like that right now, because the rest of your footage doesn't live up to it, then just post that one 20 to 30 second clip. That's fine. You don't need to have a two minute reel at all times. Um, You just need stuff that's gonna work for you and not work against you. And I think that's really the important piece to remember with that stuff. Because again, it costs you time, money to put it together cost you money to upload it all of that stuff so it needs to just needs to be working for you yeah
0: i think that's a great across the board advice that well we're about at our time and i'm sure you are have just so many things to do um (laughs) do you want i i don't i have nothing to do uh do, do you want to let people know to follow you where to check you out especially in your region or on casting director's cut wherever
1: Sure, sure. So um, people can find me on on social media. <laughs> uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, it's Erica S. Breamcast on both of those things. Um, and then I have a website if, they, if people want to be in touch with me that way, which is Erica S. com. And, you know, I'm pretty accessible these days. I think all of us are all in front of our computers and phones all day long at this moment. So. <laughs> I'm available but yeah I uh I don't mind how actors choose to keep in touch with me you know whatever whatever works best for you is fine for me
0: awesome that's so helpful thank you so much for doing this this was fantastic and I'm so glad oh my
1: gosh please <laughs> my pleasure thank you for doing it people love your podcast so much I'm delighted to talk to you
0: oh well that means a very much very very much to me because this is my, my, uh, this is my in, right? This is my, this is my content. I'm, I couldn't, I couldn't write a web series for shit. I tried it so many times.
1: <laughs> I was We've like, all been there.
0: Oh God. It just didn't work. Um, well, okay. I'll let you go, but thank you so, so much. And I'll be in touch. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to the end of today's episode erica thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us guys especially if you are in her region you should absolutely check out erica and make sure to check out the discount code we have for the casting director's cut that is in the show notes to this episode so if you're curious what they're doing out there at the casting director's cut and what services they have to offer we have a discount code below for you Thank you guys so much for listening, for following, for participating, for just talking to me day to day. You guys are making this weird 2020 year go by so much more smoothly. Mm, I can't thank you enough. This podcast was created and hosted by Sam Valentine with production help from Laurel Canyon Creative and our theme song is from the gorgeous, amazing, talented Maggie Zabo. Thank you guys so much for listening and I will talk to you next week.